This is Jeff. A couple things before we get started. First off, the podcast is doing pretty good. Thank you for everybody that's been downloading. We've had downloads in 29 different countries and 43 of the, uh, what are there, 50 U.S. states. We're still waiting for somebody in Alaska, Hawaii, Nevada, Arkansas, Mississippi, Kentucky, and Maine to join us. So if you know somebody in those states that's involved in early learning, share the podcast with them. Secondly, this episode is brought to you by ooeygooey.com, the online home of Lisa Murphy. Check it out, see what she's been up to. This episode is about plopping. If you don't know what that is, you're about it. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Child Care Bar and Grill Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. With me are co-hosts Danita Dinger and Lisa Murphy. Why don't you order a drink, kick back, grab an appetizer, and join us for some child care conversation. Wow, you're still here for the third podcast of Child Care Bar and Grill. We must be doing something right. Today's topic is plopping. Um, what, what's that? <laughs> oh, I don't have my head. I thought I was missing something. What, what, what's plopping? Um, plopping... <clears throat> Ask again. What's what's plopping? Plopping is when you put something into the environment. Eh, ask again. That didn't come out good. Um, what's plopping? Plopping is a word that I came up with because I'm never satisfied with words that already exist. So plopping is what I call when you put something out for the children in your program to discover. That didn't come out very good either. Say it again. Um... You know, I'm leaving all of this in. <laughs> what, the outtakes could be what, a whole podcast. What's, what's plopping? Plopping is a word that, yeah, say it again. Take 39. <laughs> what's plopping? Plopping is a word that I came up with because I'm never satisfied with words that already exist. No, that would be too easy. Exactly. And I don't know why. It's just a problem that I have. I just always have to call it something different. It's it's basically just putting something new in the environment for the children in your program to discover. But the catch is, is that you can have no preconceived adult ideas about this object. You have to put it out there and just follow where the kids take it. So, um, for example, you might put out... Um, a book. You're just going to read a book and then see where that leads to. Or you might put out plastic rain gutters and balls, but you set them up, maybe hide them in different parts of the room so that they don't discover them together. Give them the opportunity to put it together <clears throat> into an activity. This is just not going good. Yeah, well, no, no, it is because the, the reality is children learn better when they are choosing their activities, when they're choosing what to be involved with. And so if we're sitting down in circle time and giving them all kinds of a adult discussion about what things are to be used for and the right way to use them and everything, it kind of sucks the play, sucks the joy out of those activities. So just putting things into your environment and letting kids discover them and learn for themselves is a, is a great way to introduce things. This is something we've been doing, on our, we did in our program for, for years, except I didn't have a special word for it and uh, until we were working on the Let Them Play book and, uh, and it, you, you plopped it into the book. And, mm-hmm. and I think it's a great word. It's very descriptive. One of our biggest plops one of my favorite plops in our, in our program was, was actually in this room. Uh, we, we ate a, we had a gallon of ice cream and, uh, and then I put a hook in the ceiling and, 
and and attached a pulley to the hook and then tied that empty ice cream. We washed it, tied that empty ice cream bucket to the to the hunk of rope and then ran it through that pulley. And and on Monday morning, it's right it's right over where your pinata was hanging ah, from. Yeah. And and that Monday morning, Hunter came in and there's this this ice cream bucket sitting on the floor and this rope going up through this pulley and then coming back down to the floor. And he said, Jeff, what's that? I said, That is a pulley system. And he said, pulley system, huh? Can I play with it? And that's when you plop something, that's what you want to happen. You want the, can I play with it to happen? So I said, sure you can. And, and I got out of the way and, and he, he pulled on the rope and the bucket went up and he thought that was amazing. He grabbed the very end of the rope and he walked backwards and until he tripped, he was going from the hardwood floor onto a rug and he tripped and fell over and got up and looked around the way, the way we do when we, when we do silly stuff like that. And then he got all the way, all the way back and the buckets up to the ceiling and he, he let go and the bucket plopped to the floor and then he did it again and fell down again and did it again and fell down again. And, and this engaged him for probably 15, 20 minutes. Then Maddie came in and, and, and then they, their play grew from there. And, and that's, that's how we introduced most of the stuff in our program, but we just didn't have this fancy plop. Word well, for and the way plop came about is I was trying to think of a way to simply describe what it is. And I thought, well, it's just, effortlessly putting something out and what it, what do you do that's effortless? And I thought, well, you plop on the couch or you plop in a chair, or you plop down. And that's exactly what you want to do. You want, you want it to be just this relaxed, no expectation, no preconceived notion. A little bit of planning goes into it because you kind of want to think where it maybe will go. So you're prepared to grab more things to go along with the plop, but you can't be so set on that idea that you can't follow the direction the kids went. One of the best examples of, of, a, of a plop of where I had no clue where it was going to go um, <clears throat> was this summer I had a bucket of water because it was so hot. Everything involved water. And I put foam beads in the water. And then I cut luster lace. So it was about five inches long L- because... L- luster lace? Luster lace, plastic what? lacing. Like it's called lanyard, luster lace. Lanyard mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. Yep. So plastic lacing about five inches long and tied a knot, a knot at the end. And I made them five inches long because I knew they would either make them into necklaces or bracelets. So I purposely made them just an odd length so something different would come out of this. Well, of course, right away they came over and they started making bracelets and necklaces. And they soon figured out they were too big for bracelets and they were too little for necklaces. So then, which is... A huge compliment to me when a child feels free enough and safe enough to ask to get something else out or when they just go get something else out to add to what you've put out. So a child asked if they could get the plastic rain gutters and if they could get the hose. And I said, well, what's your plan? And they looked at me and they said, we're not sure. I said, okay. I'll trust you. Go, go get it out. So they get out the rain gutters, which takes teamwork because those suckers are 10 feet long. They get the hose out with the spray nozzle on it. They took what they had made with the beads because they realized they floated, put them in the rain gutters, squeezed water on them, and those creations floated down the rain gutter, down the driveway, followed the little current of water. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest moment ever. And do you know what they ended up calling them? Um, no. Water snakes. Water snakes, of course. And of so course everybody did. made water snakes for the the remainder of that day. Uh, I think possibly the next day. And even probably a third day after that, it was all about making water snakes. Every single child was making water snakes. And they learned 
so many things. So they tried to put other objects into the rain gutters to see if they would float down the water. Um, it just became this huge moment of learning through trial and error and cause and effect and sharing and cooperating, teamwork. Um, I mean, just there were so many skills going on. It was just amazing. Far more than just small motor skills, lacing beads onto a piece of plastic lacing. Yeah, one of the things is, is, is brain research tells us that, that the human brain is very interested in bright, shiny objects, BSOs. And so a lot of child care environments get very predictable. And so another big thing about, the, about plopping is it's something fresh in the environment. And so these fresh things kind of catch the, catch the mind's eye and, and they can go off on all kinds of deep tangents. One of, one of our other favorite plops was uh, what well, you used, used one of them today to break the pinata, um, uh, the, the plunger. The first time we, we, we were, Tasha and I were on a date. We were at uh, Home Depot or Menards, one of those places, Lowe's, I can't remember. And we're, we're on a date because I, I am a romantic. I do know what the ladies like. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> says bow chikawawa like Menards. <laughs> hey, you know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm a romantic at heart. And so we're walking through Home Depot and there's this, this display of like hundreds of plungers. And I, I pick one up and we're walking through Home Depot with it. I start sticking it to, to everything, paint cans and those big flat six wheel carts and 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 my my, my wife the, the the back end of my wife and, <laughs> and I, i'm thinking hey romantic and anyway i'm having so much fun with it i hit i mean it's three bucks I, I bought one i knew the kids were gonna love it i wrote play only on it and we put it in the middle of the playroom floor and the first one in that morning was jack and he was four at the time and he comes in and says jeff i know what that is my mom yelled at my dad the other day, and he had to use one of those. And I learned a new word, but I'm not supposed to say it. <laughs> and then he looks at me and says, want me to whisper it to you? <laughs> I said, uh, no, no, Jack, I, I know what the word is. I, I don't need to hear it. And he, he's just crestfallen because he wanted to whisper it to me. <laughs> anyway, he goes on and he sticks the plunger to the wall and he pulls and pulls and pulls and, and ends up pulling it off and falling on his butt. And he does this for 15 minutes. And then his buddy Hunter comes in and Hunter gets involved and, and they take turns pulling and being in back. And, and it's just this amazing stuff with the plunger. But the plunger becomes everything. They sing into it like a microphone and they use it as a gear shift when they're tr- pretending to drive trucks. And, and they try to lift stuff up to the ceiling with it and they try to pick up the chairs and the tables with it and and on and on it's kind of kind of like I was doing in in Home Depot with it with my <clears throat> my romantic uh overtures to my wife but <laughs> a little bit different one of the challenges of of plopping <clears throat> or that I found to be a challenge of plopping is to keep quiet until those discoveries are made and to just stay back like similar to Jeff's pulley system story. I did the same thing, only my pulley, my bucket was up at the ceiling and it had things in it and it was tied um, across the room. And it took the boys and girls in my program about 30 minutes to figure out how to get that bucket down. Every single one of them was trying different things. It was probably 15 minutes before they even realized there was a rope attached to it. And then maybe five more minutes before they realized the rope led to something. And before someone finally realized, Hey, we need to, we need to untie that knot. Well, then it took them another five minutes to figure out how to get up to the knot, how to get it untied and then finally release it. And it was the most amazing discovery. Um, I had some that just stood there and just pulled the rope, watched the bucket go up, let go of the rope, watch it go down, up and down again and again and again. And I also had packing peanuts out for them to play with. And 
the things they did with those packing peanuts, I thought snow is what I thought of. Oh no, they were taking showers. So one child would be the one to dump the water on the other one to take a shower. And then packing peanuts were the water. Yeah. Packing peanuts were the water. And then the packing peanuts would dump on them. And I tell you what, um, if you've ever heard me present, I show a picture of what the room looked like after this. It was the biggest mess I've ever seen because if you have ever played with packing peanuts, you know what happens to them. They tear into teensy tiny pieces and then those teensy tiny pieces stick to everything because of static. But it was great because then we had a problem and I'm all about problem solving. And so the kids had to figure out how to solve our problem and the problem needed to be solved before lunch. So they were motivated to get this problem fixed and every single piece of styrofoam got picked up and we have never played with packing peanuts again. Instead, now we cut pool noodles into teeny tiny pieces because those don't fall apart. Not quite as much shrapnel. Yep, exactly. So what else have you plopped? Oh, what have we plopped lately? Before Christmas, they're all into gingerbread boys. And so there have been gingerbread boy sightings. Kind of sexist, isn't it? All over the place. Well, and gingerbread girls, okay. too. <laughs> gingerbread boys and <laughs> girls. But even the girls are called gingerbread boys, quite frankly. I don't think they've ever said that's a gingerbread girl. Huh. Jeff would be the only one that would bring up that that fact. But anyway, so that's that's what we got stuck on for the whole Christmas season was, was gingerbread boys. And different things would be plopped every day, different kinds of gingerbread boys, gingerbread houses. Um, it evolved into them wishing one day that they could make a gingerbread house that was so big that they could go inside. Well, if a child wishes that in my program, I'm going to do my best to grant that wish. So that so night I went dumpster diving. What? What? You weren't up all night baking a gingerbread? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't even. Yeah, no. <clears throat> no, it didn't involve any baking. It went. I went dumpster diving, bought a huge box, and we actually several, didn't buy them, dug them up, um, and we made several gingerbread houses the so next day. So you didn't, day. like, go buy four flat screen TVs just so you could have the box? Okay. No, Leroy would have liked that, but no. Actually, I went to the the TV store and dumpster dived and I got some awesome pieces. Only I could get excited about cardboard, but I got some cool pieces that we haven't even used yet. I have some that are shaped like the top of a castle. Yeah. I know. What's that look like? Listen to the hush of the crowd. (laughs) They're so excited. This is a podcast. What's that look like? What's the top of it? You know, like a rectangle square and then cut down and then back up square. You guys can't see yeah, my hand right now, very, can you? That's very graphic. Maybe we'll uh, we'll try to post a picture of uh, this uh, castle-like yes, cardboard. Yes, I will. Because I'm going to, anyway, yeah, it'll be cool. We'll post a picture. And so uh, do you always plop stuff where they, I mean, a lot of the stuff we plop, we plop it right in the middle of the room. But sometimes we uh, make it a little bit harder to find mm-hmm. more I've hidden eggs, hard-boiled eggs, um, for them to discover. I've uh, And those I'll just put in a in a bucket. And if they don't discover them by the end of that day, I have to remember to then put that egg in the refrigerator because obvious reasons. Here's some Lisa. I actually just kind of plopped back up out of a, of a nap for what that's worth. But I am, I, a nap in my world is often unexpected and not embraced. And I just had a delicious one. And as I woke up, I'm like, Ooh, let's go talk about plopping. You're nice, you're fresh, you're rested. And, and let's, let's go share some thoughts about this. I think the Lisa Murphy angle on the concept of plopping or the idea of plopping is that it could be done. It could be done like, plan, like a planned plop. 
it could be like a planned plop that the the teacher or the provider has said, oh my gosh, this is something I want to bring in and see how the children respond to it. And so it's done with intention. I think, though, there's also room for kind of a spontaneous plop that something happens in the middle of the day. The notion of plopping, of, of putting something in and waiting to see how the children react to it is actually, I think, something that many providers and teachers and educators probably do without realizing that Jeff and Danita have woven this whole concept in to their uncurriculum book that they do have available for you. Um, I think the language I used with this prior to reading Jeff and Danita's book and and the concept of plopping, now since then the concept of plopping is something I use, but prior to that I would often call it a provocation. The notion that I I decided I'm going to bring this in and see where it goes. And sometimes it was literally a thing, like maybe I was on the road and doing a workshop and something unique or novel appeared and I I took it and brought it back and kind of brought it into the space with that as the intro. Hey, you know, Miss Lisa was on the airplane and she went to this town and I found this and I wanted to bring it in and see what you guys think about it. So sometimes it was an actual item to see you know, you plop a real thing in. Sometimes plops were, you know, some of the amazing garbage I find on the side of the road. I mean, we, we found a spool, and a cable spool. I probably shouldn't say where because it might get somebody into trouble. We found this huge spool. It was like four feet off the ground. It was beautiful, four feet high, not four feet off the ground like it was hanging from a tree, right? No, it was, it was on the road, and it was massive. So we literally plopped that cable spool in to see what the children did with it and how they responded to it. And if I just entered it into the space, you know, did they start climbing on it? Did they drag things over to make it easier to get to the top? Did they turn it on its side? Did they try to roll things to try to roll it? Excuse me. You know, so what, how did they react to this? I think though plops can also happen by the children, which I think to me is the most fascinating kind because the adult, then that means that the, that we, as the provider, as the adult, we're paying so close attention to what we're seeing going on in the space that we acknowledge and embrace the fact that a child just put a plop, and and not one that you you know have to clean up because that's like a that that's that's a nasty plop. But sometimes that does happen. But that might be a different podcast episode that we'll record for you. But to to be able to see that the child is in, you know, maybe they brought something in from their house, or maybe something they said plopped, you know, a, a language or a phrase could turn into a plop. Um, I, I think sometimes as adults, we might plan a plop that works and we also might, you know, have a, a flopped plop, something that we think that the kids are going to be like, oh my God, this is so amazing and so exciting. And then actually when you bring it into the space, it like completely falls and fizzles out. And we have to make sure that we're cognizant of not trying to, to push it, you know, a force plop. And there's nothing worse than that at all. The child has entered a plop into the space, and now I get to facilitate their response to something that the child actually initiated, which calls, in my mind, kind of some of Vygotsky's work of, of, of the scaffolding of that, that that assistance can be offered by either a child or an adult, that, that, that it's not always in the hands of the big person in the room to kind of keep the energy and the exploration and the excitement moving forward and making sure that our ego and our control needs are enough out of the space that we allow ourselves to see an opportunity that might be 100% child-led and child-initiated. And that's so very important. 
So this sounds like it would be uncomfortable for some adults working with kids because uh, you don't know where the end is going to be. And I think for a, for a lot of adults, they like to have everything so planned and prepared that they they know what the end product is going to be, what the finish line is. And this sounds a little bit uh different than that. Well, and it's, it's interesting. You should mention that because I actually used to be very much in the planned, um, category. I was so planned. I had my planning book. I loved my planning book. I planned, I would start planning, uh, from August and I would plan all the way out until like February. And I knew what letters we'd learn. I knew what the kids would be interested in. I knew, everything. I knew what stories I would read, what songs we would read, how long each thing would last. And eventually I've over time just discovered that it's just so much more fun just to plan a plop. And I mean, children have amazing imaginations. They have amazing creativity if we just let them. And I think when you frame them in and you box them in with what your ideas are and what your plan is, you stifle them. You don't get to see that imagination and that creativity. And when you think about it, problem solving, solving problems and, and being innovative starts with a very, very, very good imagination. And if we take that opportunity away from children, they're, they're awful at thinking of outside of the box. Yeah. And I, for caregivers, it's, it's very comforting to be in control and know where that finish line is and, and letting go and trusting the kids as learners is very difficult for, for a lot of adults. We, we, you know, a lot of people in this profession, they feel like they're out of control in other parts of their lives. And so when they've got a room full of three-year-olds, they're going to do whatever they say. It's a very powerful thing. And so trusting them as learners, follow to, to trusting them to follow their lead can be very, very difficult for us. The whole plopping thing is um, something that's, that's uh, we, we write about it in our Let Them Play book, but I think it's something that we're going to come back to. Uh, I, I know because I'm doing the editing. Uh, I know it's something we're going to come back to a lot in the podcast, and we're going to introduce a segment called Just Plop It. And uh, it's going to be a recurring thing where we're going to, we're going to talk about things that have been plopped and, and make plopping suggestions for those of you who want to give it a try. And I think the other thing, too, about it um, being scary for people to not have that plan is that just do it once in a while and the results will will, will speak for themselves. You'll, you'll, you'll be quickly realizing that children are in charge of their learning and their natural curiosity is going to... Um, present opportunities for far more learning, far more learning than, than we could ever plan for as adults. Yeah, I mean, so, way more. You just need to know what to look for and how to see that learning. Yeah. So we want to, we want to, we want to give you a challenge for this coming week. We want you to, to plop something, uh, plop, plop, uh, plop. Uh, well, I don't know what you should plop, plop something. And, and then, then let uh, us know. And let us know how the plop goes. Send us a picture. Uh, give us a comment on the uh, on the blog link. We'll give you the link to the uh, to, to contact us online in a bit. But give plopping a try. Uh, going from being very rigid in your planning to being a little bit more free form uh, takes baby steps, which is something we'll do a whole episode on later. But uh, but give it plopping a try, and then uh, let us know how it goes. Thanks for joining us for uh, this third episode. Come back for episode number three. And boom, excuse me. This was episode number three. Come back for episode number four in a week. Enjoy your week, health and happiness. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. And give plop in the try.
last word? Maybe. <laughs> I'm doing the editing, so I'll have the last word in every episode. <laughs> That's not fair. All right, go give Plopping a try and then let us know about it. You can share your comments on iTunes. And while you're there, give us five stars if you don't mind. Or you can share it at the home of the Child Care Bar and Girl podcast, ccbagpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Bye-bye.